Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. This is Inside the Military Mind, addressing mental health and wellness for service members, veterans, and their families. Brought to you by Family Care Center, offering behavioral health services for both children and adults, and specializing in services for military families and veterans. Family Care Center, our family caring for your family. Now, here's Dwayne France. My name is Daniel Schreider, and each week we'll be talking about mental health and wellness for the military-affiliated population. Coming up in today's Today's guest segment, I'll be having a conversation with Carlos Urias, Director of Community Engagement for Family Care Center. Later, I will be sharing the Homefront Military Network Resource of the Week, Peak View Behavioral Health. Our show is brought to you by the Family Care Center, the community's leading provider in outpatient behavioral health for service members, veterans, and their families. Those who serve our country deserve the best their country can offer. When it comes to mental health and wellness, it's important for them to work with someone they can trust and can understand their unique challenges and needs related to mental health. Whether you are looking for individual counseling, couples counseling, or management and consultation regarding mental health medications, you will find what you need at the Family Care Center. Take some time to focus on you by going to fcsprings.com and allow our family to care for you and your family. As always, it would be great to hear your feedback or thoughts about mental health and wellness for the military-affiliated population. Share them with us by dropping an email to militarymind at fccsprings.com. Today's interview segment is with Carlos Urias, Director of Community Engagement with the Family Care Center. Let's get into my conversation with Carlos and come back afterwards to talk about the Homefront Military Network Resource of the Week. Carlos, thanks for being on the show today. Can you tell me a little bit about your military history and your background and how you ended up working with Family Care Center? Sure. My name is Carlos. I am the Community Engagement Director for the Family Care Center. And back in 1989, I uh, joined the military. I was a tank mechanic. I didn't know how to work in any of my own vehicles. And I'm like, you know what? I want to work on vehicles. <laughs> uh, and then I went to Desert Storm and I realized I didn't like being on the field eight months out of the year. So I went to my retention guy and was like, uh, what do you got that I can not be in the field all the time? And he's right. like, what do you want to do? I said, I have no idea. Uh, something in the hospital, um, physical therapy. He's like, okay. I said, when's the school for that? He's like, next summer. I'm like, nope. What do you got that sooner? He's like, psych tech. I'm like, when did they, when's school? He said, three months. I'm like, I'll take it. What is it? <laughs> so I had no idea what I was getting into in the field of, of mental health. And I realized I, I liked it. I like being a mental health tech. I've been doing it since uh, 1993. Uh, I liked working with people. I like uh, trying to help people. Uh, and so I think it's a good field. And as I grew up in my military career, you know, I was deployed uh, four more times to Iraq. 
uh, is in charge of different mental health clinics and different departments. And I finished my careers in operations NCO out of the 62nd Medical Brigade and deployed with them. And so we were in charge of all the medical assets there in, in the country. And so I got to travel around the, the, the battlefield and then talk about mental health and what they need to do and policies, procedures. And it was kind of kind of neat. Got to see a lot of the country that way. Um, I got out of the military in 2009. Uh, we were getting ready to ramp up to Afghanistan, and I just figured that four times was enough for me. Uh, so I got out and retired in 2009. And I landed on my feet. I was the administrative officer for Madigan Norman Medical Center. Uh, mm-hmm. has the largest mental health department west of the Mississippi. And we had about 300 people in our department. And so that was a challenge. But I was stationed here at Fort Carson from 2000 to 2005, and I always loved it. So I wanted to come back. So I was able to come back in 2012. I had a job working as a director of military programs for a local hospital. And when I stopped doing that, I met Dr. Weber. Dr. Weber was the chief of psychiatry for Fort Carson. And so he and I had a professional relationship. Okay. And if he had an issue with my hospital, he'd call me directly. And if I had an issue with Fort Carson, I'd call him directly. It was just kind of neat. We'd always talk when we met. So one day he said, when he retired, he was going to work at the hospital I was working at. I'm like, well, I'm no longer going to work there. Here's some of the challenges you're going to have whenever you you go there. And he's like, hold on, wait, wait. If you're a free agent, we need to talk. I'm like, what do you mean? He said he was about to open up a clinic called the Family Care Center, and he needed someone to help him run it. And he told me the mission. He told me what they were going to do. And I said, I'm in. And so it was great. I've been working with them since July of 2016. And so been there since almost the ground floor and, and seen all the growth that we've gone through. And it's been challenging. It's been fast, but it's been fun and rewarding. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit more about once you became a psych tech and got out of the field, right? <laughs> um, just the differences and the changes that you saw, because it was, what, another 15 years of service approximately? A 17 years mental. of service, yeah. So, so can you talk about some of the changes in the service that you kind of witnessed as that time period went on and the longer that we stayed into those uh, conflicts, both in Iraq and Afghanistan? Yeah, so I would tell you, again, I was there in Desert Storm, and I, I did two phone calls the whole time I was deployed, one mid-deployment and one to tell my family I was coming home. So fast forward to 2003, when I went out there, you know, we didn't really have nothing set up. You still had the AT&T phones where you got in there for 15 minutes and they ran (laughs) everything out. You know, then as the war went on, things were were more civilianized, if you will. So people mm-hmm. had internets in their in their housing containers, and they had access to phones or cell. Now they have cell phones. So what's really happened with mental health? The mental health in the military, they try to do something early on. They try to destigmatize mental health and access to mental health. As you know, um, the army is a big alpha male, you know, institution. Mm-hmm. So if if you have a mental health issue and you can't do the mission, you're your dirt bag, right? And it was really that way for a long time. They tried to get rid of that and encourage people to seek mental health. And it was really difficult. They had, um, you know, every if you went to the hospital or if you went to this clinic, everyone knew you were going to see mental health, right? And so they started changing how they delivered care in the Army. Uh, so they created what's called the EBHs or Embedded Behavioral Teams. And even before that, they tried to, to put clinics out somewhere. So when I deployed in 2000 and 
And three, it was really like, hey, you're going to be just walking around. You're in the unit with the people. Walk around and talk to them. And this is really the precursor to these EBHs where they put clinics in the footprint of the brigades that they were supporting. So you're going to chow with the people that you were, your mental health techs. You were sleeping close to them. You went to the same motor pool, things like that. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of helped do some because you could, then no one knew you were talking or seeking mental health or at the time. And when we were deployed, same thing. You're in that footprint. You're on the fob with them. You might be going on a, on a road march with them, or you might be going on a, a vehicle march with them somewhere, just part of the unit. And so when I was de- deployed, our clinics were always full. I mean, we had people there all the time. It was just when we came back, they were like, okay, we're back now. Uh, I'm not going to seek mental health again. And, maybe, and I thought maybe it was because, you know, when you're deployed, you got a live weapon. And so everyone's telling you, hey, you go to mental health, you're going to be right, carrying around right. that live weapon. And when you're back in garrison, people think, oh, it's not so, so bad. But you know how many guys I've talked to that have deployed in multiple, deploy, multiple deployments and they get to a point where they say, I wish I was deployed. It was easier. I knew exactly what I was doing. There was no family issues. So that's one of the things I want to say. So I made the two phone calls in Desert Storm. When I was at Iraq in uh, 2005, uh, the, the psychiatry consultant to the Surgeon General came out and I was driving her around. And she said, what is the biggest challenge you see out here for mental health? And I said, the internet. I said, it's great because you can communicate with your family whenever you want. And then I said, it sucks because you can communicate with your family right. whenever you want. Absolutely. Yes. And so what we found out were happening is these people, they're, they're having a parent from downrange. They're like, hey, I'm going to go kick indoors and you want me to tell little Johnny to go to bed. And or they're, you know, they're arguing with their spouse and, and or they come off of mission. They try to, you know, contact their spouse and all of a sudden they want to talk about what happened. Well, the soldier's not ready to talk about what happened. They might have lost a friend. They might have done things that they're not wanting to talk about. And so it was really that duality of am I home or am I deployed? And that became a big stressor for a lot of people. So, again, when people came home, they're like, I'd rather be deployed because they had that routine of, okay, I'm going to go on mission. I'm going to come back and go to sleep. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go eat. I'm going to go kick indoors again. And it's just without the arguments of the fights of the wife and the, everything like that, or the spouse, I should say, anything like that. And, and on the flip side, the, the family at home, you know, they've created a whole nother life without their deployed spouse. And it's not you know, it's not, they're not trying to be mean or they're not trying to separate just the way it is. You know, mom mm-hmm. or dad has now become both parents. Kids have had to depend on one parent and, you know, without that that other parent to help, you know, with that guidance. And it's it was just challenging and difficult. And so we got a lot of that, um, a lot of those kind of stressors. And then the PTSD, you know, if you, if you go there multiple times and... and you don't have time to rehash and get rid of what's happened. You have to box it up because you got to go back and do it again. And so those are some of the challenges we've had. And, and I think so as I grew with my career, you know, this is we saw a lot of soldiers who were acting out behaviors. They were getting in trouble. And, you know, we had and the TBI. TBI is another thing that kind of helped with uh, the increase in mental health issues. It's not that they had PTSD, but if you have TBI, and I can't talk through the science with you, but it also created symptoms kind of like PTSD. So I think having the, the EBH and the mental health professionals in the units has helped increase access to care. And I think that's also helped to destigmatize a little bit because, again, that soldier you're talking to is in your footprint. And so he just looks like you're going to chow together. And so those are some of the changes that I've seen when I was in my time in the military. And I've been retired a long time, so I can't really talk to how they're doing mental health care now. But I'm assuming it's still the same. I go talk to, as part of my role now in Family Care Center, I talk to the mental health teams on Fort Carson and, and the military bases. And I think Fort Carson's still doing it pretty similar to what they were doing when I was in. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that perspective. and. And that's a great snapshot.
snapshot of mental health over the last years, especially during these two conflicts, right? Yeah. I experienced that myself personally. I mean, there wasn't even a phone call. I was in, I was in the very first beginning part of the, the conflict. And so there was no contact yeah. uh, the entire deployment. And, and I appreciate what you said. It is difficult to have a foot in both worlds, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be on. And, and like you said, within, with the internet and technology we have to go back to your chew and, and your wife's on video camera and you're like, oh, now I'm back in that world. And then I'm back in this world and the yeah. complications that can arise from that. Yeah. Um, no, I really appreciate that perspective. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing that with me. I, I, I think it's hard for people to understand that because they see a lot of times they focus on the blessing of technology and, and it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Very much so. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it can be dangerous both there and then coming back home. And you touched a little bit on reintegration and we can't, you know, spend a lot of time on that. But um, that's another good point that they're kind of more connected than they were during deployments, but then they come home and being, you know, it was a single family home and you were deployed. And I can't tell you how many of my own clients and how many times I myself have said, man, deployments were a little bit easier than this, man. This it feels is, easier, right? Yeah, it feels easier, right? I know what my job is. I know what I need to do in helping, you know, veterans reintegrate into their families, reintegrate into a life past the military is yeah. really important work. So. And I think that's the hard, that's the challenge with the military, the the cycle is, I mean, I came back from Iraq and, you know, you get the six month of recovery and then the six months of ramp up. And then we were headed to Afghanistan and I'm like four times enough for me. You don't have enough time because in the, in the recovery, you're busy doing recovery mm-hmm. and then you got to ramp back up. So you're, you're busy doing that. You don't have that just kind of reset time. Yeah. The, the decompression mm-hmm. processing time. Right. Um, yeah. I had the unique experience of actually heading over there on ship. Oh, so yeah, it was, and you don't have that now you're, you're here one day and they're the next <laughs> and vice versa. Yeah. And it was really interesting because we came home on ship as well. So it took us several, you know, it took us a while to mm-hmm. get home. And during that time we were talking with one another, we were talking with mental health professionals. We were working out, we were, uh, grieving, you yeah. know, the loss of our, comrades and and then fast forward to my next two deployments and man you're on a plane and all of a sudden like you're literally in a combat zone and within 24 hours you're home yeah and what the army tries to do they do the the do the dsrp right and we're csrp in reverse and they come and talk to us we did the srp for them mental health guys and they'll come back and of course they're like no issues no issues no issues when i get out of here and so they i would do the same thing probably uh, fortunately i didn't have any those stressors, but people, they weren't honest to it with us. And then all of a sudden they, you know, a month later, they're getting in trouble. I'm like, well, I never talked to mental health. Like you did dude. I just have your paperwork. You just didn't fill it out correctly. Uh, Back in 2003, we did the third IDs redeployment SRP. And it was really funny that everybody that we saw that we talked to was an E4 and below. Mm-hmm. Every single person. Like, really? There wasn't one staff sergeant who needed help. There wasn't one lieutenant who was, who was struggling. No, because now they're back to garrison mindset of I'm going home and you're a dirtbag if you can't handle the stress of what we just went through. And the stigma is even stronger on leadership as you work your way up in rank. Yeah. I know it was like, oh, man, now I'm a staff sergeant. Now I really can't show any any type of weakness, yeah. right? Or yeah. perceived weakness, um, which is the challenge. And, and you mentioned that earlier about the, the location. And a previous guest had mentioned that as well as embedding mental health in the units and how critical that has been to destigmatize and help people get help yeah. kind of behind the scenes, not only building that relationship with them, but also you're not going to the fourth floor. It was always the fourth floor. It's always like, the fourth floor. Yeah. They're like, ooh, he went to, <laughs> ooh, I saw he got on the elevator and yeah. I saw he was going to the fourth floor yeah. and you're like, oh, 
oh, what? You know, it was, it was this big deal. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was in the elevator one time and I, and I was a bunch of soldiers and I hit the fourth floor and they looked at me. I'm like, I work there, guys. I work there. <laughs> yeah. So this embedded behavioral team concept. So this was born here at Fort Carson. And so when I was the, the administrative officer out at Madigan Army Hospital, we sent a team down here to Fort Carson to learn how to do that, to bring it back to Madigan because the hospital at Madigan, where I was in charge of, we had the outpatient clinic and that was it. So access to care was horrible. We had, it was all a bottleneck. You had hundreds of soldiers trying to come get care with my 40 providers, you know, mm-hmm. and so it was just horrible access to care. So now that they're spread out, there's a lot more providers and access is way better. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you also mentioned working with Dr. Weber prior to him owning <laughs> and, and developing Family Care Center yeah. while he was still on post. Yeah. Can you talk about the importance of that relationship between Fort Carson being a city of its own and engaging with the community and what that looks like? Yeah. And so it's not just Fort Carson. So here at um, in Colorado Springs, we have, and I don't know what the acronym stands for. It's called the MISMO, and it's a, it's a military market. So we have five military bases here in the Colorado mm-hmm. Springs Metro. And so all of them have to fall under or take guidance from the MISMO. Uh, Dr. Weber was that MISMO chief, and so he actually provided guidance to all the military bases for behavioral health care. And so we've created what's called a community care. And and so we would go in, the community providers would go into Fort Carson, and we'd talk about our services, the patients that we had in our systems that, that they needed to know about. We'd provide treatment summaries and updates so they make sure that they knew what was going on with their, with their soldiers or airmen. Yeah, and so... You know, Dr. Weber, again, if, if we had an issue, having that open door access to talk with them and talk to all the post-military providers was very good for the community and this was, and vice versa. Uh, I tried again, tried to recreate this back at Madigan, and we just couldn't get the community buy-in to, to do that. They want to talk HIPAA. When we know there's a HIPAA, there's a military exclusion for HIPAA. Uh, they tried to talk about, well, you know, that's those are our patients. Well, they are your patients, but those are those soldiers. It's a readiness issue. And I think if you're in, in an area where it doesn't have a lot of military people, like, you know, we've got a lot of military people in this community. And so mm-hmm. we understand readiness. We understand there's a lot of retirees. We understand the mission that has to go on. And sometimes other communities don't understand that. So it didn't work as well in Fort Lewis. But yeah, the community is very tight with the military bases here and, and vice versa. And I think that's been a very positive that's, that's been going around for like 10 years now. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned briefly the the history of the Family Care Center where you were already collaborating with Dr. Weber, and then he kind of invited you into this yeah. new project of his post-retirement, yeah. right? Yep, yep. Um, so can you speak to kind of Family Care Center's history and how yeah. they've gotten to where they are now? Yeah, I will. I will. It's funny because uh, when Dr. Weber talked to me, he's like, hey, here's the plan. We're going to have three locations across the city. Two will be for families and one will be veteran centric. And I'm like, cool, I'm in. And here we are five locations later. <laughs> and uh, oh, so he said, we'll do it. three locations. We'll do it for 10 years. We're going to sell it and then we'll retire. I'm like, sweet, let's do it. <laughs> and we'll have five locations in five years and we're going to expand to even more locations. So I always have to remind him, hey, your mission statement needs to change. <laughs> <laughs> that, that original mission statement is still out there. Huh? Yeah, no, we, we, we finally changed it. But I was like, dude, this is not the mission anymore. We started in... In February 1st, 2016. And so how Family Care Center was born, there was an organization here in town called A Haven. I think they were out of Tennessee or Kentucky or something. Mm-hmm. They had an inpatient unit down in Pueblo. They had an outpatient PHP program for active duty. Uh, the Pueblo facility was active duty. 
they had a, a civilian or dependent PHP program, and then they had an autism center program. And so they decided one day they're leaving. I mean, I didn't hear about them leaving for like literally a month before they left. And so if they knew about it before then, they did, but we, the community, didn't know about it for like a month before they left. And so Dr. Weber, the two active duty units closed down, the active duty unit at Pueblo closed down, the active duty PHP closed down. So what was left was a dependent program and the autism services program. So Brian Duncan bought the autism services program, and Dr. Weber bought the family support center, which was the outpatient civilian program. He's like, I'm going to change one name, just family care center, from family support center to family care center. Uh, same location, same staff, same mission. And uh, he knew that the, that the care in the community was not going to, that the Fort Carson was not taking care of the military dependents like they were active duty. And so he, he knew that that mission would need to be helped. And as a veteran, he wanted to help his fellow veterans. So he purchased the Family Support Center, re-flagged at Family Care Center, and that's kind of how we were born. Uh, and that was in 2016? 2016. And now there's five locations? Five locations. So yeah, our mantra a couple of years ago was, because we used to get a lot of calls from other locations saying, hey, is there a Family Care Center-like facility in Fort Bragg or Fayetteville or Killeen, Texas or uh, Vandenberg Air Force Base? Somebody called us, actually their post commander called us from there and said, hey, do you have something like that here? Can you keep seeing our patients? Because there's a big space command between the two. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, okay, we'll go to these different locations, five locations or so. And our mantra used to be five states in five years. And so now it's five states a year. Uh, so we're, you know, we're, gonna, we're looking at locations right now in Denver, Texas. Uh, so we, we've come a long way. Yeah, that's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, again, for those of you just joining the show, you're listening to Inside the Military Mind with me, your host, Daniel Schreider. My guest, Carlos Urias, is the director of community engagement at the Family Care Center. And he's telling us about the history of Family Care Center and what he does there. So, Carlos, you mind expanding on what your duties are as the director of community engagement? Yeah, sure. Well, let me <laughs> let me back you up a little bit. And, and so tell you what I did. OK. Uh, so we again, start out with one location. Mm -hmm. 16 people, about five intakes a week. And it was it was rough right at the beginning. So, you know, Dr. Weber and I were both military guys. We both ran military clinics before. So he was the chief and I was the NCOIC. And so what that means is he signs everything. He, he's he's ultimately responsible for everything. It's his his name on the dotted line. But I handled all the day-to-day -day logistics, mm -hmm. the day-to-day -day business, the day-to-day -day policies, procedures, oversight of the staff, doing payrolls, doing the HR stuff. And so all these dysfunctions make it make it happen and as we grew and grew i, I decided I, we needed someone more specialized you know so we hired an hr person and then we hired a finance person and then we hired an operations true operations person and then uh, and as we kept growing and then we added two more buildings and then we added a different servant tms service and hired more doctors just it just grew and grew we needed more medical assistance and and so i'm a soldier i, I know my limitations right <laughs> And so we hired all these people who were specialized in doing these things and they can help us grow. And we've gotten to a point now, uh, as of, if you'd have asked me last week, my, my title was marketing director, but now we have a true marketing director, someone who that's their profession and can do a legit, real campaign on a national level, you know? And so what does that leave? It leaves the community engagement. And so as a community engagement guy, you know, I'm the one who gets to go around shaking hands and kissing babies. I go to all the different uh, facilities and I, I talk with them and, and spread the word about what our services are and what we can do. I'm the one who goes and engages with our partners or referral partners, like Fort Carson and Peterson Air Force Base and the, the psych hospital.
hospitals just to make sure that there's a good smooth transition of referrals and if there's any issues or uh, how can we fix it? How can we make it, our relationship better and stronger? Uh, you know, I do all the marketing materials, so I just help design them and get them out to the different places. And so how's that going to expand now that we're multi-city, some almost multi-state? Uh, yet to be determined, I think, but um, that's where we're headed. That's where my position's headed anyway. Yeah, and, and I appreciate you speaking to the importance of that. And it sounds like <laughs> you've worn a, a lot of different hats over the years to help build this. Yeah. Um, start with Family Care Center. Um, I know when I was looking in my internship there, I read the history and I thought that date can't be right. Like they can't, they <laughs> couldn't just, have started next year. Yeah. You know, they couldn't have started in that year. That was, there's only been a few years and yeah. such an incredible um, company to work for and the services provided. And, and like you mentioned that they're being modeled elsewhere. Yeah. And so the services, that's what's great about the company is we're very, it's a one-stop shop and we're, so it's a patient centered, patient focused. Each clinic is that way. So we have medication prescribers at every location. We have, you know, child play therapists. We have marriage counselors, family counselors. You know, we can do DBT group therapies. And, and now we have an intern program. We do other groups as well. And so we can refer into one another. If someone comes in the door and they're struggling with whatever that issue is, and, they, and we determine, you know what, you, you should bring your spouse in here. I think you guys could benefit from couples counseling. We can just refer them right there. We don't have to send them somewhere else. Mm-hmm. We, I always tell people all the time, we didn't set out to be the biggest company company in Colorado Springs just happened. We didn't set, we did set out to be the best. And I think because we strive to be the best we can be, we've it enables us to grow. And you know, I use the the term my recruiter used to always use, like his glide path. It's the glide path to getting these 10 people in the door or whatever. And <laughs> Where are you on the glide path? So our glide path has been super steep, right? Uh, 40% growth every year. And and we do that because people because people have appreciated what we do. People have appreciated that we are taking care of them, uh, that we're military, culturally competent. And we understand if you sell me, you've been to Fob Warhorse. I get it. I was at Fob, and it's telling me it's a hole. I get it. It was a hole. I was there. Yeah. If it, we don't have to stop you in your in your trauma story to ask you what a first sergeant means or what a cop is, you know, and so that brings instant credibility to the people we serve. That's our mission: military families and veterans. And to be able to to talk your language and and have been lived in your world, it really helps with that population. And so that's helped us grow too. And we, you know, a number, vast majority of our patients are that. Tricare beneficiary, that veteran mm-hmm. uh, beneficiary, and so that's what we we strive to be the best at. That we'll see anybody in the community. You know, we take all insurances, if you will, but we want it to be provide good quality care to those people in our mission, and I think we've done that. Absolutely, and um, Dr. Weber mentioned to me that one of his goals amongst the goals, right? A mission statement within the mission statement is that we bridge the gap during that transition from the military to civilian life, mm-hmm. um, knowing that it takes time to get VA resources in place, knowing that it takes time for families to settle and things happen like mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think what a great what a great service that Family Care Center provides saying, yeah, we can work with you. Like we can work with you. We are not turning you away. Absolutely. And so the other thing we've done is so Dr. Weber's been great about, you don't know how many times he said, let's just see them. We didn't get paid. They're a veteran. Let's just see them. And more than you guys know, I know because I did the bills, right? (laughs) Um, The other thing he's done is he created a nonprofit organization called the Colorado Veterans Health Wellness Agency. And so what what we do with that nonprofit agency is we can see veterans with no other resources to bridge them to getting them back enrolled into the vet center or back into the VA system. But he really wants to make sure we take care of our veterans. And I tell people all the time, us seeing military families and veterans, this is not really a job for us. 
this is our passion. This is what we do. These are our brothers and sisters and our family members that we want to make sure are taken care of. Maybe I'm biased because I work there, but I, th- I think we do a good job of taking care of that population. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Dwayne actually told me a story once, and it was kind of an analogy of, of someone transitioning out of the military. It's actually in one of his books right in the intro. He talks about um, starving at the feast, and he's explaining you know, being in this marketplace and having so many different service providers, and some are trying to give you things, and some are trying to take things. And, and this gentleman in the story, the character, is uh, kind of reaches a point where he's just standing there kind of frozen in place. It's too much. And it's too much. Mm-hmm. And so he says... He's, he's starving amongst the feast. Yeah. There's so many people trying to help. And and like you mentioned, a one-stop shop, incredible, right? Yeah. Like they can come in and it can be them. And then they can realize, oh, hey, this is really helpful. My wife needs help. Oh, yeah. bring her in. You know, yeah. oh, my kids need some, you know. Um, and then in addition to not turning away, let's, let's figure it out. Let's work together. And also I've worked with a few of my own clients that had unique situations and it was like, oh, hey, talk to so-and-so. They can help with this and that. <laughs> and and that that is just like family care center to me, you know, it was the name of the company before I knew what it was. And then I was like, man, how appropriate, because uh, it really does act like a family. It's like, yeah. hey, it's not my specialty. I don't know, but I know someone who might be able to help you. Yeah. So let's go find that person absolutely, and, and get you the help you need. And our, t- our tagline is our family taking care of your family. And, and we did that because we feel like we're a family. You're my family. We're all family, but we're internal family to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once you're in the fold, you're in the family, right? And um, so are there any community engagements that you'd like to talk about that's coming up here in the near future for both either the community or family care center that's that's involved with that? Is there anything you'd like to share? You know, I don't know if we have anything really going on at this time. We did participate recently in the um, the Suicide Prevention 5K. And so this is the things we want to do with our, our community partners so we can bring awareness to their events as well. So mm-hmm. Pikes Peak Suicide Prevention Program, uh, they just had a recently had a 5K. They recently just did an assist training. Training, train people to do suicide um, awareness. Uh, they did that in our building. Uh, oh, we have a, we're having, we're calling a Valor reception next week, next Tuesday, actually. And okay. so there will be members of uh, Cop Keating there. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie The Outpost. Cop Keating was in a horrible location in Afghanistan and was attacked one day. And there was, I think, eight people died, 22 injured. But out of there came two, two Medal of Honors and lots of Medals of Valor. So we're honoring some of the members of Cop Keating who were actually at that battle. We're dedicating a conference room to them. Uh, we're we're unveiling a display that has uh, some fourth ID memorabilia from World War One, uh, Medal of Honor from World War One from a fourth ID member, some stuff from Cop Keating. I think there's a Vietnam item in there as well. So we're doing that next week, and uh, we'll be helping support one of our partners, Homefront Military Network. They are having their breakfast, the Honoring the Brave Breakfast. We're always one of their sponsors, and so we'll be supporting that. That's on one December. So these are some of the things we're working on now uh, as far as and as well as those individual partners just making sure we're in good contact with them and providing them updates on our availability and leadership contact things like that yeah that's that's great and and to me that's that's a testament of that family concept right we go family care center goes beyond the clinical work Mm. right yeah offering the conference room for the breakfast and hosting meetings and having other groups come in and like hey we got the space use our space you know it's all about taking care of again our, our our brothers and sisters out there and how can we help the most people and and again that's not just uh it's not lip service it's really not it we, we really try to help out how we can i mean even doing this this is a podcast to try to spread the word just how we how can we help how can we be involved and i always tell people when i go out talking to them we don't want to be your i don't want to be your only resource mm-hmm. we just want to be on your list 
because we want to be there to help. And I, and conversely, I tell people all the time too, I'm Dr. Weber's worst director because if, if we're not a good fit, I'm going to tell you we're not a good fit. Let's get you somewhere where you're a better fit because <laughs> I want to make sure you're taken care of. And it's not just about getting people in. It's not about just churning patients out, you know, and, and it's about taking care of the patients and giving them quality care, evidence-based good care and make sure they're taken care of. Yeah. Well, and again, that it's a funny comment. You say that about not being the best director because that's another testament to the concept of family. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes a family member is not the best person to help you out, <laughs> right? <That's> <laughs> It'd be a better fit to be over here from a strictly business perspective. Well, we try not to do that, but hey, we want to get you guys the best care possible yeah. and collaborate with everyone in the community to yeah. do that, right? Yeah, to accomplish sure. that mission. One of the things I thought about as I was listening to all the things that you've been a part of these past few years is when I joined the Marine Corps Infantry and I was on the battlefield and we came home and I was pretty naive to even how the military worked, right? Mm -hmm. I showed up, I did my training, things like that. And then um, they talked about infantry support and I had, I think it was a gunnery sergeant at the time. He said, you know that there's 10 people working to support you, yeah. right? Right. And and that's a concept I, I think that has really materialized with Family Care Center. It's okay if we're on the list. We don't need to be the list. Yeah. But be on the list. And and we want to be one of those 10 people supporting you. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and I've been thinking about that since I started there only the last few weeks. You know, I'm like, <laughs> wow, this is tied into so much, so much bigger things, you yeah. know, than but just that concept of all these people rallying together for that veteran or that active duty member and their family. Yeah. saying, hey, we're all going to work together to benefit you. So tell us what you need. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, Dr. Weber, he'll say it's not his award, but we, he recently won a veteran CEO of the year. And, and that's because of the work that the company has done in the, in the veteran community specifically. And he gave that award to the staff because uh, we're the ones who take care of the veterans. We also take care of our people, you know. Uh, so I hear, like hearing you say you've been there and you already recognize that there's a family concept. You know, we've won uh, Best Workplace two years in a row and that's it's a testament to again the people who work there uh, mm -hmm. because that's that comes from an internal nomination number one and then 60 percent of your staff have to say why it's the great place to work and we've won it two years in a row and again i could be biased but we have some actual valid stuff there's some evidence-based uh, yeah, <laughs> there's some statistics behind it right yeah yeah so yeah. I, yeah, it's a good place to work. It's a it's a good place to take care of people. Um, and again, if we we want to be able to help you, uh, you talked about the white noise and, and everybody starving at the feast or something. Yeah, yeah, starving at the feast. There's a lot of white noise in, in the community. There's a lot of nonprofits who want to help people out. There's a lot of veteran people who want a lot of veteran organizations that want to help veterans out. And sometimes that person doesn't know where to go. I send a lot of people to Mount Carmel myself for those things just as a start point. Mm -hmm. But if we just want to be on your Beaver Health shortlist, so um, I appreciate again every. Everything that you've brought to this session, it's been incredible. Like, I mean, for my own insight, for the history, for educating people in the community. Um, do you have any thoughts about the future of Family Care Center and like what it's really going to look like in this community? Because, <laughs> like you said, the growth—I mean, forty percent a year—is is pretty incredible. I think, um, I think for this community specifically, Colorado Springs Metro, I think we're—I want to say maybe tapped out on the locations. Mm -hmm. uh, we just want to provide good care to everybody. We want to strengthen our relationship with partners uh, and and. and increase our partners that we really have so that we're, again, on everybody's short list. Uh, the future's bright. Uh, again, we're, we're looking at 
locations. We're looking at that South Denver area mm-hmm. and because there's just not a lot of care. People from the South Denver, Castle Rock area, there's just no services. They're going into Denver to go get services. So we want to help those people expand up the front range. And we really want to look at help rural veterans. So we do telehealth and if we can, just, we just have to work the logistics of how we can get to them, but that's on our, our plan. We want to expand or tell our county footprint. We have a provider out there a couple of days a week and we really want to expand that to being every day and maybe a couple of providers. And then you know, take this model and help other communities across the country and their veterans and their family members. Yeah. And, and to me, it sounds a lot like the embedded behavioral health camps, right? Concept. Like, like yeah. we're, we're taking that concept into the civilian community and saying, hey, where's an area where we got a, a veteran population that's not being served or has to travel great distance? Okay. Let, let's put our tent here. That's exactly correct. And let's start meeting the people where they're at. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's incredible. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with the, the listeners? So I'd say for one final thought, I just want people out there to, to realize there's help out there. I mm-hmm. mean, you've got to get through the stigma. You've got to get through the, um, the pride factor. Uh, go seek the help that's out there available for you. We want to begin on that short list of people. Referrals, super easy to get to our offices. I mean, you just call our phone number, the 719-540-2146. We'll take care of all the referral stuff. There's no referral needed. We will get all the authorizations necessary. We want to try to take as many barriers away to you accessing care as possible. And, and again, if it's not with us, go with somebody else. There's, if you're a veteran, there's veteran hotlines out there. Mm-hmm. If you're a civilian, I think the 211 is out there, phone number. Uh, but go get help somewhere. Yeah, that's great. And uh, the the first step is theirs, right? Reaching out and and listening to that family member, that friend that's saying you need help. And then and then uh, the next step is us reducing those barriers, because I think that's another key component you touched on there. Streamlining these processes. I know a lot of veterans, myself included, have all said, man, I tried this and I tried that. And it is so frustrating. I just gave up. And 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 Family Care Center doesn't want that. So they take care of that referral process. They take care of you and your family. So that's great, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. I hope that you appreciated my conversation with Carlos. We'd love to hear your thoughts. If you drop us an email at militarymind at fccsprings.com. Next, I'd like to introduce this week's Homefront Military Network Partner of the Week, Peak View Behavioral Health. Peakview Behavioral Health is a behavioral health and substance use disorder facility located in northern Colorado Springs. They offer acute stabilization and medical detox through their inpatient hospital, as well as intensive outpatient and partial hospitalization programs through their outpatient facilities. Peakview Behavioral Health's goal is to help service members who are suffering from mental health issues and substance use disorder. Through an inpatient stay, they help their clients stabilize and once their clinical status improves, they continue to work with them in their tactical recovery program so they may return to their normal daily life. When an inpatient stay is not needed, their clients can access these programs through their outpatient services. Tactical recovery is designed for active duty clients who can independently handle many aspects of their life without round the clock monitoring, but who need more intensive work beyond the standard talk therapy. They work alongside their providers on base, their nurse case manager, and their command to make sure all their needs are being met and to give them top of the line care that they deserve. Tactical recovery, IOP, and PHP are uniform specific outpatient programs specifically designed for active duty service members. These groups are dedicated to active duty personnel who have shared similar 
life experiences while serving our country. They use a trauma-informed approach to create a service-oriented culture in order to process and build skills in a group setting. They use many evidence-based practices proven effective for service members, including cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, mindfulness, trauma-informed care, motivational interviewing, recreational therapy, seeking safety, living in balance, art therapy, and many more. The IOP meets five days a week for three hours per day for a total of four to six weeks. This program includes group therapy, physician oversight, and transitional help into healthy lifestyle and activity. The PHP meets five days a week for seven hours per day for a total of four to six weeks. This program includes group therapy, physician oversight, medication management, and transitional help into healthy lifestyle and activities. Along with providing services for the ones who serve us, we also have programs for our veterans, first responders, military dependents, and civilian population. Mental health services are available at Peakview in both inpatient and outpatient settings for children as young as seven and adults. Led by the highly trained psychiatrist, their team consists of master level therapists, nurses, and mental health technicians. Following initial assessments, individuals in the program will begin a treatment plan that includes medication management, a therapeutic living environment, and smooth transition to less intensive levels of care. Outpatient services are available for individuals who have graduated from the inpatient program or who do not need the level of care of an inpatient program. They understand that addiction and mental health issues affect more than just primary client. The entire family suffers as well, and the home environment often needs to change to promote the client's long-lasting recovery and wellness. When appropriate, and with the permission of the client, family members are invited to attend visiting hours while their loved one is in treatment. Educational programming to help the family members better understand how to help their loved ones is also available. Peakview knows how difficult it is to find quality, affordable, and effective care for someone dealing with mental health or addiction issues. They are proud to be recognized as one of the premier behavioral health providers in Colorado, and they welcome clients from all over the country. At Peakview Behavioral Health, they understand that each of their clients have different needs and come from different backgrounds, so there is no cookie-cutter approach to their treatment. Clients are treated by highly trained psychiatrists, medical doctors, nursing staff, therapists, and mental health technicians. Peakview Behavioral Health accepts admissions 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Their admission phone number is also staffed around the clock. If you or a loved one is seeking treatment for psychiatric or addiction issues, or if you would like to learn more about their treatment programs, please contact them at 719-444-8484 or visit them at peakviewbh.com. They are accepting new admissions and have implemented additional pre-screening procedures to ensure the health and safety of everyone at Peakview Behavioral Health. They are closely monitoring all coronavirus updates and are following suggested practices by the CDC to prevent the spread of the virus. They are located at 7353 Sisters Grove, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80923, just east of the Woodman Avenue and Powers 
Boulevard intersection. Thank you for allowing Peakview Behavioral Health to be a part of this wonderful community and entrusting them to deliver top of the line mental health and substance use care. Their goal is to help every individual struggling with their mental health or substance use by being the preferred provider in Colorado and by working alongside with other organizations leading this fight. Mental health and substance use is a growing concern that affects us all. So please check on your neighbor, your loved ones, our service members, and remember, you are not alone. Thanks for checking out the Homefront Military Network Resource of the Week. If you want to hear more about the Homefront Military Network, you can find them online at homefrontmilitarynetwork.org. And if you would like to find out more about Family Care Center, you can find them at fcsprings.com. The Family Care Center is the Pikes Peaks region's leading provider of comprehensive behavioral health for service members, veterans, and their families. They prioritize you and your family with a range of outpatient mental health services, including individual, couples, group, and family therapy, as well as medication management. Heighten your emotional wellness and receive the professional care you need from the caring and highly skilled team at the Family Care Center. So thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. It would be great to hear your feedback. I'd like to answer any questions you may have or know what you would like to hear about. What topics about military and veteran mental health are you interested in? Send me an email at militarymind at fccsprings.com. And there's a chance that we'll discuss it on the upcoming show. I would also like to remind you that the information provided on this show is for educational purposes only. While I am a mental health professional, I am not your mental health professional. If what we discussed in this episode brings up any concerns for you, it is highly recommended that you consult with a clinical mental health professional. Stay tuned for another great show next week. Until then, remember, you are not alone, ever. Inside the Military Mind, addressing mental health and wellness for service members, veterans, and their families. Sponsored by Family Care Center Behavioral Health Services. Our family caring for your family. FCSprings.com. Tune in every Saturday, 11 a.m. for Inside the Military Mind on KPPF. And listen to the Companion Podcast on Podbean. You're listening to In... Family Care Center is a comprehensive outpatient behavioral health clinic providing critical mental health support to service members, veterans, family members, and our local community. Family Care Center focuses on the mental health and wellness of those who have served our country's military by providing best in-class evidence-based therapy, medication management, and transcranial magnetic stimulation. Family Care Center's clinical staff is dedicated to meeting every client's outpatient behavioral health care needs. This is Dr. Chuck Weber inviting you to learn Learn more at fcsprings.com. Family Care Center, our family, caring for your family. Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.